want to say thank you for your goodness to us. We want to say thank you for the things that we can see. Returning visitors and people coming to church. We're thankful that uh, people are still attending services at Union, even though they're here. And Lord, we're thankful for all the work that has been done. And Lord, how thankful are, are we at the prospect of not being under the pressure to get all this work done in a short period of time. And so, Lord, we put all these things in your hands and we just want to say thank you for answering prayer, for being so good. And, Lord, let us never be unmindful of all the things you do that we're not keeping track of, but you are, and working in so many ways. Lord, the unseen hand of God is visible every day and all around us if we'll just open our eyes. And we thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ye, kids, to go ye. And please be very careful to be a help to Mrs. Montoro as she teaches tonight. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles. And uh, why don't we start in uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and tonight we'd just like to talk about faith no faith little faith great faith but what's most important is my faith and uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 uh, if you do not have this verse memorized put to your memory uh, this would be a, a good endeavor this is a one of those verses that just helps us understand how we are to live, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, that whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. And as we look at our life that we live in this world, we, we need to understand that the just shall live by his faith. There we go. That little word his in there is so important. We have a lot of people who are trying to live vicarious faith. Now, you must have a vicarious atonement because you cannot atone for your own sins. The word vicarious means that Someone does it in your place. Uh, you must have a vicarious atonement. Jesus is the only one that can pay for your sins. But it doesn't work that way with faith. It's got to be yours. It's got to be personal. And there will come a time in your life, if you're not there, uh, I have good news, it's coming, where your faith is going to be tested, where other people are going to be depending upon you and your faith relationship with God. Now, I'll tell you that one of the things that I have learned over the years in building and repairing things is oftentimes you do not have what we would call a strong anchor point. Uh, that's what you always want. Uh, when you're building a building, you want that solid, in-the-ground 
a footer that you can build on uh, when you're uh, repairing vehicles and, and and you're putting sheet metal in place or whatever it might be. You want you want something to attach it to that it's not going to let go. And, and uh, often I found that there's nothing there. And so what do you do? Well. You'll find out that if you take several weak points and attach them together, you get one very strong point. Now, how many of you are old enough to remember what a car chassis is? Uh, If you see them in the junkyards and stuff, that is the frame on which the car is built. Now, sometime in the late 70s, early 80s, they stopped making chassis for cars. Uh, your car today, our church van out here, it does have a frame underneath because it is a uh, heavy-duty vehicle, but most cars don't have a frame. They're what we call unibody construction. And, and the reason I know this is I've been in the auto body shop where those things have been wrecked and they come in. And uh, uh, it, is a, uh, it is a mess because, you see, everything is welded to itself. That's what makes the strength in the car. And believe it or not, our new cars are much safer than the old cars used to be, with certain exceptions. Uh, you, you get one of them big old deuce and a quarters. Anybody know what that is? A, a Buick Electra 225. I mean... That uh, uh, you, you would park it on one end of the block and have to pay the meter on the next block down. I mean, they were super. Those things, you're safe. You know why? Because you've got a quarter mile between you and anybody from any side. But uh, taking that out, these unibodies are very strong and, and, and very safe for the size because everything is connected. The only problem is... When you have a 20-mile-an-hour front-end collision, your trunk's not going to close because everything is connected. Now, faith works that way. The one strong point of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It is His Word. That's where everything... But how many times in your life have you just kind of felt like There's nothing to hold on to. I've never been here before. This is scary stuff. You ever been there? Well, if you haven't, you're going to be. Because if you're going to serve God, this thing called faith has to come. And where do we start? Listen, we all start at the same place. No faith, do we not? Let's uh, go to Matthew chapter 17. And uh, I, I love this story. In fact, let's go to Mark chapter 9. I'm sorry. Uh, if you, uh, let's do Mark's account of this story. Mark chapter 9. Jesus comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration. He'd had Peter, James, and John with him, the other nine. He had left at the bottom of the mountain. And... Uh, When Jesus comes down with the disciples, he finds the scribes and the Pharisees questioning them. And, of course, Jesus is concerned. He he doesn't want those men 
bothering his disciples. And, and here he finds out that the reason was that there was a demon-possessed boy that was brought to the disciples. He was actually brought to Jesus. Jesus wasn't there. And so the disciples said, well, Jesus isn't here. Uh, he's given us power over spirits. We'll, we'll have a try at this thing. And they failed. And the worst thing that happened was, oh, it didn't work. Well, now the scribes and the Pharisees could offer all of their suggestions and their thoughts. And, of course, every one of them was wrong. And when Jesus approached them, let's, let's look at uh, verse 19. He answered, answereth him and saith, O faithless generation." How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Isn't that a strange response on the part of the Lord? Here it was, and he's going to tell the disciples when this whole thing is over, you cannot accomplish these things but by what? Prayer and fasting. And yet he called them a faithless generation. You know, when it comes time to face the devil, you're going to find out that unless your faith is in Jesus Christ, it doesn't work. And so oftentimes we don't even recognize how the devil works. And by the way, do not join the crowd of people who are running around with mirrors and looking for people who don't have reflections and, and sticking needles in people. And if they don't scream, then they have or demon. You've got all kinds of nutcases out there. Don't go looking for the devil. If you are serious about serving the Lord, he'll come looking for you. He wants to hinder you. He wants to stop you. We have things that we're trying to accomplish. If you're a parent, the number one thing you ought to be trying to accomplish is keep your children serving God. Amen? Uh, that is... Amen? Okay. Uh, that is priority one. If you lose your children, you lose everything. That's, that has got to be number one. Uh, if you are trying to serve God, you've got to understand the devil is always there. We have the example of Thomas. The other disciples said, Jesus is risen. We've seen him. The ladies had been down there. They had seen Jesus the two came back from the road from Emmaus and said, we talked to him. And what did Thomas say? He said, until I stick my finger in the nail prints, until I thrust my hand in his side. What was Jesus' response? Okay, here it is, Thomas. Be not faithless, but believing. You know, that's where we all start. If we would just get wrapped up in Jesus enough, nothing else would matter. 
Amen. Isn't that really what faith is? How many of you know one person you can think of right now that really just bothers you and irritates you and keeps you from doing what, uh, what you're supposed to do? Does anybody have a, a list like that? Someone said, I can't tell you one, but uh, it's a list. Uh, there, there's a lot of people in line there. And um, uh, uh, often I've used the phrase, somebody says uh, something. I mean, we had a uh, guy couple, we've been actually, oh, I forgot to praise the Lord. The cones, the police officer told us to start putting out cones Saturday night. It's been working. Uh, the parking area, and, and so praise the Lord for that. But had some people get upset and said, what are you doing? I said, listen. I said, this is for the church. This isn't for you to park here. But I live right over there. I said, I live right here. And I said, I find a parking spot for the church van. I don't park the church van here on service day. Because we need people to get in and out of the church. And and, I said, just get on the list. You want to be mad at me? We'll just put you on the list. And, uh, and, and so he drives off, and there's a parking spot not 20 feet up the street. You know, one of the things I started doing, I started praying that God will give all these people parking spots that want to park in front of the church. And the Lord's been answering that prayer, and I want to encourage you to pray with me about that, because we're not here to start fights. But... I'll tell you what, there's just a lot of selfish people in this world, is there not? And here was Thomas. He refused to believe everything and do right until Jesus said, come on, here it is. You know, it's hard to have faith and believe in God in a world that despises. Everything in the world despises that. Everything you do in the world is against that. And, and so we, we have to be careful. We talk, uh, read in Hebrews of those who draw back. We read about those who believe, but not to the saving of the soul. So those are people that have no faith. There are some people that cannot hear. You could read the Bible to them. You could get Alexander Scorby and put a set of headphones, implant them in their head, and play the Scripture 24 hours from now until Jesus comes back, and they're never going to hear a thing. Because they have no faith. They've already decided they're not going to believe the Bible. And there are some Christians that have taken it upon themselves to go find people like that and try to convince them to get saved. And and I want to challenge you, don't do that. Go find someone that's willing to hear. Amen? Find someone that wants to listen. Find, uh, Find someone that is not ready. The Bible says, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That's why Jesus said in Luke that we're supposed to strive to enter into that gate, that straight gate. He said there's going to be many that are going to try, 
And they're not going to be able to. Why? Because they have no faith. Now, if you don't have faith, how do you get it? Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. You've got to be willing to listen to the Word of God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Bible tells us that faith is one of the most powerful things on earth. Because if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you could make an entire mountain disappear. Isn't that what Jesus said? You know what? There's no explosive known to man that is that powerful. He said you could say to this sycamine tree, a 60 or 70 foot tree, like one of those big sycamores, not exactly the same, but very close across the street, to uh, be picked up and cast into the sea. We can't do that. Even with all of our technology, you know what we would do first? We have to cut it up in little tiny pieces. That's the only way we know how to do it. But... Jesus said, faith as a grain of mustard seed can accomplish these things. You don't need a lot of faith. But you do need faith. And so, we look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30. Jesus is speaking here. He says, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not more, much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, what shall we eat, or what shall we uh, drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus is rebuking those that are listening to him. He said, if you are going to live in the realm of what you physically need, you're going to lock yourself in to a life of little faith. God wants to do more than just little faith. But we worry so much about that which is not a worry to God and we have no care at all for the things that God is really concerned about. That is the problem with faith, is it not? And he's saying, don't waste your faith on these little things. Here, here's what you do. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God will take care of the things if you'll seek first His kingdom. And we've been through this many times, just very quickly. What's the kingdom? It's the area under the domain, under the power and control of the king. Don't you want to be in that area under Jesus' control? Under his authority? Well, the Bible says we have to seek that. It's not going to come naturally. And his righteousness. How many of you can think, if you just look at your own life, 
of an unrighteous reaction that you've had since last Sunday. Okay, I think most of us qualify. If we're seeking his kingdom, we're seeking to be under his authority, under his direction, under his protection. If we're seeking his righteousness, that means when something happens to us, our second reaction isn't having to go to God and ask forgiveness for our first reaction. Amen? If we're seeking His righteousness, this, this tells us that what we're trying to do is when something happens to us that's considered bad or frustrating or we don't like, we're trying to find a righteous response. And that doesn't come naturally. The Bible says you have to seek that. And it has to be looked for, diligently sought after. But if we will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He'll take care of all the things that require little faith. And that will move us out of the little faith realm. Amen? Jesus never commended someone for having a little faith, did he? He always condemned it. How many of you remember Mark chapter 4? Jesus took the, told the disciples, we're crossing to the other side. And, and I love the wording in the book of, uh, in the Bible. It says, they took him as he was and It was just like, okay, Jesus, we're in charge now. This is something we know how to do. Something the disciples had done who knows how many times. They'd done it all their life, sailed back and forth across that little sea. But they found out something that night. They were no longer going to even be able to do what they used to do. Because the true Christian cannot do anything without Jesus doing it through us. Amen? And he he called them, uh, let's just look at the the verse, Mark chapter 4, if you would. Mark chapter 4, verse 40, I think is the verse I'm looking for. It says, and he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Jesus said, listen. This, this is ridiculous. He said, how, how is it that, that you can't trust me for this little thing here? And in, in uh, verse 26 of Matthew 8, the same story in Matthew, he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. You know, we live in circumstances. Things happen all around us. And they put fear in our hearts. You know why it puts fear in our hearts? Because we don't have the answer. There are many things that we will never have the answer for. How many of you, when you think of North Korea, don't get just a little fear that this crazy man that is running this country, third generation, is going to somehow try to 
destroy thousands, tens of thousands of people with a nuclear weapon. I mean, would that astound anyone that this guy would try to do that? And, and uh, I mean, there, there's fear. The disciples, the ship was full of water. They were drowning. They were going to die. They were full of fear. What did Jesus call it? Little faith. You know, the devil's greatest tool is often this thing called fear, is it not? I mean, we, we're afraid of so many things. And of course, if someone tells you they're not afraid of anything, as we've been through so many times, there's an awful lot of other things missing in their life, like sense, uh, understanding. Uh, but we cannot let fear Take our eyes off the Savior. We must understand He's the one that controls the wind and the waves. He's the one that controls the circumstances. And when we take our eyes off of the Lord and put them on the circumstances, we put ourselves in little faith. That means God is going to be limited in what He can do in our lives. That's not a place you want to be. The next story I have in my notes is Jairus' daughter. How many of you remember that story? She was dying. In fact, they came to Jesus and said, they came to Jairus in front of Jesus and said, your daughter's dead. Don't, Don't bother the master anymore. There's nothing anybody can do. And what did Jesus say? Only believe. Only believe. That's the cure, is it not? People accuse us of having blind faith. Well, I am so glad that it is blind on my part, but it's never blind on Jesus' part. Can we say amen to that? My father-in-law has always said there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. I just never have figured out which side of the line I'm on. And uh, I'll tell you what, there's been an awful lot of things in my life that people called foolish until God stepped in and got them done. Then it wasn't foolish anymore. Do you think that's what Paul meant in Romans chapter 12 when he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye may, what? Prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to prove God's will? Do something by faith. Amen? Hello? We still together? You see, God wants us to prove His goodness to the world in which we live. We can be fearful of things that we cannot know. Or, we can just believe. That's what faith is, isn't it? Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. This is where we probably will find ourselves most of the time when we have faith problems, if we're not careful here. 
In verse 6, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Now, what was happening here? I like to call this a parallel universe. Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they said, Oh, he's mad because we didn't bring dinner. And Jesus' response is, let's look at it here, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of what? Little faith. Why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have bought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember, the five, the, the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How many times have you been driving or walking down the street and all of a sudden you find yourself past where you were supposed to go or on the subway? I missed my stop. How in the world do you do that? Oh, it's real easy. Just don't pay attention. Just don't listen to that. Uh, I don't even know what adjective you would use about that synthetic voice that they have on the subway. It drives me crazy. I, I used to think that I couldn't stand those conductors that were always, you know, uh, because the PA was all messed up, but... Uh, I think I like that better than sometimes this synthetic voice that comes over uh, 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 comes over the thing now. But I'll tell you, all you got to do to get in trouble is stop paying attention. You know, we were going on a drive, and uh, I, I, as I, as other people learn to drive the van, I. My uh, uh, people will ask, how do you make long drive? Well, you make a long drive like that by paying attention to everything around you. That's what your mirrors are for. That's what everything is for. That, uh, that's, that's, how, that's what the windshield is. You've got to pay attention to the passengers in the van. You've you got to be constantly paying attention till you put your Bose sound-canceling headphones on. And you're just cruising down in a world of silence and only noise that's in there is what you want. you got to be careful because if you're not paying attention, you get in a lot of trouble really quick, can't you? You see, little faith when we're not paying attention to Jesus. They should have got it the first time. Jesus expected them to get it the first time. But he knew they wouldn't. Little faith is when we don't pay attention. There's only two times in the Bible Jesus uses great faith. Neither one of them had to deal with Jewish people. 
The one was the centurion. You remember that story out of Matthew chapter 8 when he, he had sent people to Jesus and they told him that this centurion, he built us a synagogue. He, he's been very careful for us Jewish people. He, he's, a good, he's a good Roman. There aren't many of them, but he's one of them. And so Jesus said, I will come and heal because Jesus was trying to do something here. He wanted to put this man's faith on display for the Jewish people all around him, for the disciples. And as Jesus was coming, he had sent servants to, say, to Jesus saying, don't come under my house. I got thinking about this. I'm not worthy that you should even come under the roof of my house. I'm a man under authority. I tell this man, go, he goes. I tell this man, come, he comes. All you have to do, Jesus, is speak the word. And Jesus said, wow, there's, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. Not among any of the disciples. Not among the religious leaders of the Jewish people. You know, could we ask God to give us that kind of faith? Who's in charge? Well, Donald Trump is. He's the president, right? Uh, if that's where your faith is, woe be unto you. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is in charge. Amen? And if we could live life as if Jesus were in charge. Now, I'm, I, I hope you understand. I'm preaching to me too. I mean, there's a lot of things that are distracting me right now. Like that inspection on Tuesday. And, and if I stop and let myself think about this, I'm just going to get all nervous and take my eyes off the Lord. And what if we don't pass? Oh, wait a minute. That's why I ask you to pray. Is because together... You guys keep Brother Mike and I on an even keel here when we know God's people are really praying. Amen? And so, we, we need to live under the direction. That thing is in the hands of Jesus. But you know what? He wants to answer our prayers. So, I want you to pray very seriously. I remember when... We had the final, the, the plumbing inspection in the apartment upstairs. How many of you have heard that story? It was hilarious. I said, listen, I want you to pray that the plumber, the inspection, specter is in a good mood. He comes walking up the stairs going, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. And I'm sitting here going, wow, I haven't watched Mr. Rogers since I was a little kid. And it was amazing. Our architect had told us to do something that wasn't right. And so he takes his clipboard and goes, I don't see it. I really don't see it. Tell me it's not there. Whatever you say, sir. He says, okay, it's not there and walks out. And uh, you know what? God answers prayer. And we need that. That's great faith, is it not? Just letting Jesus be in control. 
How many of you remember the story of this, this Syrophoenician woman? She had Philistine parents, grew up in Syria. The Phoenicians were the Philistines. I mean, maybe she was related to Goliath of Gath somehow. I mean, we don't know, but that was the same country. And if anybody didn't deserve God's blessings, the Syrians hated the Jews. Still do. That's nothing new. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And yet she needed something from Jesus, didn't she? Her daughter was possessed by a demon and she could not get anyone to help her. What did Jesus do? At first he ignored her. You ever felt like God ignored you? Well, it may be because he wants to put your faith on display. Hello? It may be because he wants you to move out of little or no faith into great faith. Then he called her a dog. He said, it's not fit to take the food that belongs to the children and cast it to the dogs. And what was her response? But master, the dogs get the crumbs that fall off the table. He said, that's all I need. You know, we're never going to have great faith until we get to the end of ourselves. You wonder why we have so many hours to work over at Union? Because you've got to get worn out. <laughs> you've got to get past yourself first. You've got to realize it's all of God and none of me. Amen? It's not about you. It's not about me. Let me just read a few verses and we'll be done. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. And what is it? God's wisdom starts where man's foolishness ends. It says, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith he stands. You know, one of the reasons we get knocked down as Christians is because we're not standing by faith. We're just standing by reason. We're, we're unwilling to be obedient to God in one certain area of our life. We're going to keep that little part. We're going to, we're going to do this and, and we're going to work this out. But God, you can have everything else. If you're not standing in faith, you're in trouble. And it's not that. The, Paul was saying, listen, we're not trying to have dominion. We're not trying to be the dictator over every little thing in your life. But if you don't let Jesus Take that position in every area and every circumstance in your life. You're never going to stand by faith. And you're never going to have the joy that comes when you do stand by faith. Amen? Oh, me? Something? You know, we, we need to understand this, this verse, I've preached on many times at the, to, to our men. I, I wish that we could 
just write it somewhere, have it in your minds, in your heart. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. That's a whole life of living in that one verse. It says, watch ye, stand in the faith, quit you like men. You know, so, so many times we just quit. Finish. Like a man would finish. Finish the job. Stand in the faith. Be strong, not in your part, in God's. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. See, God has given us direction. All we have to do is follow it. Amen? But you know, we live in a place. We, we live in a world of deception. The Thessalonian church had received a letter It was signed by the Apostle Paul. They thought it was real, but it was a forgery. And here's what Paul told them in 2 Thessalonians 2.2, That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. You see, they had written a letter, signed Paul's name to it. They had done a pretty good copy of it and said, Jesus has already come back and you've missed the rapture. Well, Paul says it overthrew the faith of some. They just quit. Because it didn't make any sense to them. Well, did it ever occur to you that the world is full of liars? I mean, how, how do you like that lady Harvard professor who said she found the tomb of Jesus and Mary? And, uh, of course, it was a fraudulent document. It wasn't even a thousand years old. Uh, they, they knew it was a fake, and yet she released it the week before Easter. Why? Because the world is full of liars. People hate God enough to lie about it. Are you going to be taken aback by that thing? I mean, uh, I remember years ago when, uh, what was it? Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code or whatever that first come out. I always want to call, say Dave Brown. He's my friend in Yakima. But uh, Dan Brown wrote that book. And, and I remember having a couple people come and say, Pastor, are you going to answer this? I said, no. If you're... Foolish enough to believe this guy? I don't think I can help you. You've got to understand something. This guy is not honest. He's not even honest in choosing his facts. He claims to use a lost book of the Bible, the Gospel of Thomas, but he won't even take all the facts out of the Gospel of Thomas because they spoil his storyline. He's a fiction writer. Look in the front of the book. 
It is not true. But he loves to lie about Jesus. And people, you know why they believe him? Because they weren't listening in the first place. They're back at chapter 1, no faith. There are those that believe a little bit, but not enough to allow them to separate from the world. If you find yourself beat around and shaken up by everything that's going on in this world, hey, that's little faith. Let's get past little faith. Let's stand in faith. Let's serve God as a church. We, we need some more miracles on 35th Street. And we'd better get serious about praying a couple more miracles on Noble Street. Amen? And, and the biggest one's going to be when the doors are open, and then we've got to get people in there. And, and uh, not trying to be too down to earth, but uh, they need to pay some bills. Amen? And, and so, listen, there, there are some great miracles that God wants to do. How do we get from where we are to where we need to be? Well, the centurion just let Jesus be in charge, didn't he? The Syrophoenician woman kept her faith in Jesus alone, even when Jesus felt like Jesus was pushing her away. He wasn't. He wanted to show people how serious her faith was in him, not in anything else. See, sometimes we go to Jesus and we need something. And we'd rather have our something than we would Jesus. You know what? Jesus just might give you that something and let you go. But that's not faith. What you need is to have your faith in Jesus then he'll take care of all those somethings. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to take a few moments and just evaluate our faith. Lord, are, are we standing by faith? Are we just simply obedient? Are, are, are we shaken up when the world lies to us? Do we actually listen to it? Lord, help us. Lord, please, move us from little faith to great faith. Not for our benefit, but for your glory. Lord, we pray that you would work in our midst, that we may glorify thee. Before we finish that prayer, if you'd just like to slip out and spend a little time at the altar, then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.